Hello and welcome to tonight's Feisty Soul Circle. It is April 7th at just past seven o'clock. And if you're joining us live, I'm excited to have you here. If you're joining us for the recording, I hope that it brings you as much joy as it does for me to record them. Um, but those of you who aren't here live are missing my new haircut, which of course in video is very fun to see. And you know, you can always pop over onto YouTube when I upload this later or come and watch it in the feisty soul forum which i will add in i promised myself i would try and get some links into the forum this time into our little chat box so i'm gonna post a few different links one for the native land resources uh, one for the Feisty Soul Bill of Rights that I will talk a bit about, and another for the with the dates and the reminders. So there's going to be just a stream of information that you can browse at your convenience and take a look at. Hopefully that will all pop up. Um, so most of you will know that I, as a family of origin that is colonizers from the British colonies that came here to um, what was known as Turtle Island and now North America, um, believe that the way we colonize these lands was very unjust and very unfair. And I am striving to find ways to reconcile that, to heal wounds. I wish I had land that I could give back. I wish I had millions of dollars that I could use to make homes better and land better and policies better. Um, so I'm just gonna keep doing my best and keep acknowledging this and try to do more than just performative verbal things, uh, trying to take action elsewhere. That being said, it leads us into what I'm hoping will be April's theme or concepts that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about the biggest one of my core principles, which is the first one, staying in your own business. And this is a principle that I find that most people have a really, really, really hard time with. So I wanted to elaborate on it because it sounds so simple right my core principle number one is just stay in your own business and how do you know that you're out of your own business well it's pretty simple you're usually suffering and you're incapable of making change when does that happen it happens when you get into other people's business and when you get into god or the universe's business and in order to help me ground in order to help me stay centered on how much business i can actually control some of my teachers have an equation and i've made it a bit more simplistic in that there's a 50 25 and 25% rule. So 50% of the energy, the 
action-oriented stuff occurs within the universe or God's business. 25% occurs within their business and their business can also be relationships I'm in. So it could be family, friends, lovers, partners, husbands, wives, children, that's all their business. And then the other 25% is my business and how I show up and how I work this game called life, this game called existence, how I live and deal with my humanity. So this sounds so simple when I talk about it in theory, but of course, in reality, we tend to get hooked. We get frustrated because there are so many moving parts going on in that 75% that is not ours to really muck about with or really change in any large way, we get frustrated because we don't take up the full 100% of our 25% of the equation, right? So 100% of our actions go into our 25% of our business. And that's exciting. That's where all your power is. That's where you have the ability to be mindful. That's where you have the ability to create your own focuses, which are the next two principles of my corporate business, uh, my core principles. So we'll talk about them as separate principles, but you need to understand that it, this is more art than a linear process. And it's funny because I was super excited we're still working on the how to turn this into real life but i finally got a palette and look at i and the idea is that my business will be on this palette but that the technicolor exciting empowered part of my business will be on one side and the shadow power and control paradigm will be on the other side and i can literally use it like a palette and go oh am i going to pull from my empowered hero's journey, or I'm gonna flip over into my victim, persecutor, rescuers, shadow work that I need to do, or, or will I bring those into the light and do that? So that's the dance that I wanna talk about tonight is the stuff that is your business, the stuff that you can have power with. I want to give you just a little snapshot of though why it's so complicated to stay in our own business and I think learning to understand the amount that fits into the universe's business is gigantic right so I'll go over my little like cheat sheet list that I made the universe's business is what encompasses the concept of mystery of grace of miracles of life of death of grief it also encompasses the concepts that are multifaceted the concept of oneness the concepts of duality the concept of paradox juxtaposition mixed feelings other people synchronicities divine timing 
all of these concepts are like the soup that exists in the universe that we might swim in, but that we're not in charge of. And fighting this truth, this universal principle, is what gets us super frustrated, right? I think it mostly frustrates our ego because our ego is always trying to reckon with control. Our ego is trying to reckon with how to get shit done the way we want to get it done, not the way the mystery unfolds, right? So just let those concepts percolate and, and let them be not just in your head percolating, but out in your field of truth and of grace that these are all floating about all the time and if you're just seeing things linearly or in a way that you can control them like how do you control duality how do you control a paradox do you know what i'm saying this is this is the deep deep cellular work that we have to do to reconcile within our own chakra system the complexities of the universe so that is our business, is looking at this beauty that is universal concepts and really coming to terms with the truth of them on a cellular level, on a soul level. You know, I don't know if our ego ever really comes to terms with them. Like our ego will always fight with them, but that is part of the paradox of being able to live as an, an ego psychological being and a spiritual soul-based being. And, and these exist in paradox, but they also exist in oneness. And that is complex, right? That is like the mind-blowing stuff that most people don't wanna sit with, don't wanna chew, don't wanna taste, don't wanna digest. So I'm inviting you in tonight's call to just watch your ego go ballistic. Watch your ego wanna argue with me. Watch your ego want to fight with me. Watch your shadow side get dark and ugly and grumpy. Watch the subtler shadows of your victim, of your inner child of your inner prostitute, of your inner saboteur, come out and just be upset with me. I love that. I invite all of that in. I want you to explore that because it's by not exploring this stuff that we really get stuck and we get stuck and off our path and off of using our own palette to create our masterpiece called our life and into other people's business. And it's so funny because I, I actually left other people's business till the last part in our notes. Uh, but so I'll jump around a little bit. And what's funny about other people's business is my third first thought was, you know, like it doesn't really matter because it's their business, right? If I show up and I'm with you, I and I'm present, what is mine for the taking? I will be able to receive and I will be able to see what is your business and what is my business and where they intersect and where they become a part of our business and the relationship dynamic that we want to create. So that's the beauty of all this and it's the hard part right. 
So my next thought on their other people's business is to, you know, just be curious to show up to dance with them, right? Sometimes people we show up and they want to dance fast in their business, or they want to dance slow, or they don't want to dance at all. And we get to choose how we want to participate in that experience with them. And the irony, here's the irony, here's the, I guess it could be perhaps a paradox, is that other people participating in their own business are doing exactly the same things you do in your business that probably are driving them nuts, that are probably making them question, am I in my own business? Am I in the other person's business? And I'm making them do this dance, you know? Um, so that's the super funny irony about all of this is that as humans we are so fallible and such hypocrites uh in that we can be in our own business and be judging someone else and the tables turn and do exactly the same thing but not judge ourselves and not change our behavior and that becomes very ironic and humbling and hopefully an opportunity for growth but not always not always an opportunity for growth okay let's deep dive into what is your business because what is your business is the only place you have power is the only place you can get some semblance of this concept of control and it's where all the juiciness happens, all the fun happens, all the showing up at the start of the race or the start of the adventure or showing up at the table or showing up in the conversation. Um, you know, that's my business. So let me just step into my business. Let me, and then in your own world, you step into your business. My business is knowing my values. It's knowing my congruency. So whether I'm in alignment with my values, congruent, or out of alignment with my values, not congruent. This is a place where you'll start to suffer, right? The farther away you are from the truth of your being, the more you will suffer. And the more likely you're out of your own business, right? Because you're suffering. Knowing my own values, knowing my integrity, I then can start to look at my chakra systems. I can look at my balances and imbalances. I can look at my developmental phases that were supposed to occur in my chakra systems. I can look at the wounds that occurred in my chakra systems. I can heal and rebalance these. Now, I just want to warn you, your chakra systems are constantly in flux they might be in balance for 10 seconds and go out of balance again it's uh again a dance more than a constant stable stationary experience okay in our own business we're looking at extreme self-care or crappy self-care you know it depends on which side of that palette you're dealing with are you in the shadow or the light side of dealing with yourself right it's all you it's just the opposite side of the same coin so do you take good care of yourself 
do you offer, offer yourself? Nourishing food, nourishing sleep, wonderful relationships, new information and wisdom going into your being. Do you spend time in nature? Do you shower? Do you take care of your teeth? Do you love in a way that nourishes you? All forms of extreme self-care. Do you grieve when you are hurt and sad and lose something, be it a job, be it a relationship, be it a loved one who has since died? All loss, all deserves time to grieve and recalibrate. In this staying in our own business energy, we also look at, am I compassionate? Or am I really mean and critical to myself? Do I forgive easily? Myself, others, do I even understand the concept of forgiving as a spiritual practice? Or is forgiveness just my egos rigidly held on to prized possession that I don't give or grace anyone with? Am I able to let go? Am I able to surrender? Am I able to notice the times when I should keep working harder or when I should soften? You know, can you see how like it's really a waste of time for us to spend any time in anyone else's business because we have so much of our own business to deal with, like so much of our own business to deal with. I'm glad I made this list. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not exhaustive, but it's, it's starting to get there. I'm starting to fill it out within our own business is also looking at any of our shadow work that we can do. So the sides of ourselves, the parts of our personality, our soul, our ego that we don't like, that we don't want to look at, that we judge, that we're critical of. The parts of ourselves that have expectations of ourself and of other people. Another sort of judgmental critical part, but subtly different, right? Because sometimes judging is much more external and the expectations is from like a lower chakra and it's it's more ruthless because it sounds logical, right? To have expectations. Judgments, at least we, I think we hear our inner head voice and we go, oh, okay, that sounds really mean. But expectations just sound reasonable. And they're only reasonable if there are expectations of our business and of we want what we want to do, right? Otherwise they're negotiable and they're within the realm of a joint business venture. So that's an important thing to be aware of. Within our own business, there's the beauty of the shadow as wisdom, as guidance, as healing adventures. Also in the shadow energy is oodles of cognitive distortions. And I, it's so funny because I'm just like packing away stuff. Um, so I don't have all my books at hand. I'm going to be moving in a couple of weeks. And I feel a bit sad because all my wisdom, I can't just go grab it and be, have it right at the tips of my hands. But I, cognitive distortions are things like black and white thinking, magical thinking, 
breaks from reality. Um, you know, psychosis is the extreme end of a cognitive distortion where your brain is actually firing the wrong cylinders and, and creating images and illusions and storylines that just aren't true in the reality that other people are seeing. Very true in your mind's reality, but a, a severe imbalance of the sixth and seventh chakras. Within your own business, one can get clear on our inner landscapes of our mind. We can start to understand the three parts of our brain, right? We have this lower part of our brain that is the reptilian brain. We have a middle part that is uh, the limbic system or the mammalian brain. And we have those two big parts, which is the frontal cortex. And that's actually the part that lets us think and be logical and play and dance in this artsy view of how to stay in our own business. Uh, the challenge is, is we don't often know when our, our reptilian brain or our mammalian brain are firing, right? So what it looks like when your reptilian brain is firing is that energy of the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. It's the typical trauma response or the response that happens in a crisis. You'll be familiar with this one. You'll feel it arise in you, you know, if you're out driving and all of a sudden someone cuts you off and your, you know, your heart starts racing and your blood pressure goes up and you might swear and you slam on the brakes and you're scared for a moment. And that's not your logical brain. That's a very physiological response from the emergency reptilian part of our brain saying danger, react quickly and keep yourself safe. And from there, how we respond in our own business is important, right? Because do we check in and stay in our reptilian brain and fight and yell or like dissociate and disconnect and be unable to drive? Or do we take a deep breath, let our vagal nerve come back online, let us flip into our mammalian brain which is the limbic system, which is like this gatekeeper. And it says, am I experiencing pain or pleasure? And it's a very simple gatekeeper. It's, it's actually lovely and excruciatingly inconvenient if you think a lot of things are painful or bad. And this is an area where you can train yourself in your own business to see almost everything as being a possibility that can lead to neutrality or pleasure. In the driving example, you know, you can flip into that limbic system fairly quickly if it's like, oh, I slammed on my brakes, we're safe, um, you know, no one got injured, I can just keep driving, right? That's an immediately your brain will go into that all as well. And then you can get back into your space. Now, let's say that didn't go the way I hope it goes for you. Let's say you slam on your brakes, but the car behind you doesn't see in time that you've slammed on your brakes and they bash into you. Another opportunity here. How do you want to stay in your own business? Do you want to keep firing your reptilian brain? Do you want to go into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn? You know, not our highest functioning place to be, but certainly this is where a lot of people will end up in an accident or when there's a big challenge. And it, you know, it might look like 
opening your car door and like running out in fight mode, you know, yelling at the person, how dare you smash into me and this is horrible and, you know, I hate you and, you know, you're going to pay for this kind of fight energy. Uh, or, you know, some people will flight, they'll literally just like collect all their stuff and drive away and be like a hit and run kind of thing. Um, other people will dissociate and they'll literally just sit there in shock and not move and they'll look like a deer in headlights and they might mumble to themselves but they're not present with you if you come and if you're the one who's hit the car from behind and you're knocking on the window saying let's talk or um uh, the fawn trauma response would be something along the lines of oh my gosh i'm so sorry this happened like i can't believe this we'll figure this all out together let's you know, exchange numbers, sort of a more positive kind of trying to mother or tend to that um, complex situation that's going on is more of that fawning and, and trying to make good with what is happening. So one's brain could stay in that place the whole time they're dealing with this. And um, that that's okay, right? That's a place to be you can stay in your own business and be mindful that, hey, yeah, I'm in freaking fight mode right now. Okay. And you could be in your own business in fight mode and be like, okay, I have, I'm going to stay in my integrity. I know I'm in fight mode. I'm not going to hit anyone, right? Like you might actually be able to be that cognizant in those moments and work on it. That same accident, if you did manage to get into just your limbic system would mean that you felt the accident happen, but you went into a more easeful space of like, what do I need to do next? I need to get my license and registration. I get need to get my insurance. I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to figure out what's going on. You know, just very basic rudimentary steps to get things organized. If you manage to get into your limbic system and your limbic system felt calm and you managed to get into your frontal cortex, you'll have a much easier time of going, okay, what do I do if it's an over $500, under $500 accident? Let's gather details. Let's call the police. You know, let's get our vehicles off the road. Like this is when your higher functioning is actually really helpful, but it doesn't always come into play. Understanding how to keep every car safe, every person safe, how to navigate the larger scene of the accident. That's more frontal cortex uh, stuff going on. So all of this can be your business. It's just which segment of yourself you've landed in. Um, and if you choose to keep staying in your own business, right? It's very easy to get out of your own business at this point. You can you can start freaking out at the other driver. You can start freaking out at the weather. You could start freaking out at yourself even, like, and going into the past with regrets and how stupid you were. How could you have let this happen? Or, you know, all sorts of stuff that will be great as a grieving process, but not so great in this immediate moment of dealing with the accident as it's happened. Within our own business too, in this inner landscape are our boundaries, right? And how we want to keep ourselves safe, how we want to interact with people around us. 
how much honesty we want to have, how much integrity we want to have, all really important things to be aware of in our own business. And things that a lot of people don't think of. We, you know, some people go through life being very unconscious about any of it or any of their patternings, any of the ways that they're routinely and rotely going around living their lives. And uh, that can lead to a lot of suffering because it leads to a lot of being not in your own business and feeling very disempowered about having any choice to do anything different in your life. I also wrote down in here, and this is separate from the concepts in our inner landscape of our brain parts, because it exists in our frontal cortex and our ability to think and, and see a bigger picture our inner children, our inner parents, our inner teachers, our inner archetypes, all are a huge, rich matrix of the complexity of who we are as a human being and a spiritual being. Also within this inner landscape exists our past and our future. And in the place that we suffer the least is in our present moment, right? So I'm hoping in me describing this list of things, I've tried to be efficient in it, that you see how, how full and rich and complex your business can be and how really like what a waste of time getting out of your own business because it's so exciting and nourishing and full of goodness and stuff you can change and empower and be present to that getting into anyone else's business just becomes boring because it's kind of like just like watching someone play a video game and not being able to control or do anything in the video game right just like no fun in my opinion okay let's take a little break and have a drink tonight we're drinking holy basil tea Yum. So good. So I used to run a 21 day mindfulness challenge and, and maybe after I move, I'll run it again, because in that I have a list of 21 things that are all your business and it's like a dare. And each day I, I get you to look at what is in your own business and what can you do? And each of the exercises are designed to ground you and center you back into your chakra system back into your own business so let's i'm just going to go over them a little bit with you right now so that you can see where i'm going to call it your weaknesses are like your less developed areas of mindfulness in your own truth in your own business um, you can find a different word. If you don't like the staying in your own business, it could be your own focus, your own hero's journey, your own sense of power and autonomy, 
like all of those things mean the same thing. We're just, I'm just dancing with words that have stuck the best in my cells and allowed me to be the most grounded in that sense of power and in my third chakra and wanting to grow and wanting to change. So I broke the mindfulness challenge up into three sections. There's the section that's dealing with your body, the section that deals with the basics of just sort of being human, and the section that deals with being, being a spirit, being, being human. So in the body, how do you show up mindful in your body? Another way of saying that is how do you show up in your own business in your body? So for me, I have seven ways. And they're really simple. In fact, they're so simple, you're going to be like, oh, it's too simple, Casey, because you know what, they're what every single health coach, every single doctor, every single psychologist, every single teacher, people have been telling you this since you could hear. To show up mindful in your body, you need to walk. Why do we need to walk? How does it keep us in our own business? Moving through time and space with all of our chakras in alignment, swinging our arms and legs does this beautiful synchronistic thing of keeping us physiologically, spiritually, energetically, all moving and in alignment. Uh, even from a Western perspective, there's the concept of like our left and right hemispheres and they cross over in our spine from our brain to the opposite side of our body. And just walking where ideally when we walk our right hand and left leg are, are walking at the same time that our left arm and right leg are coming together. So you're like, constantly doing this crisscross of those nerve systems crossing over it on your spinal canal which is very cool if you guys have been listening to me for a while you know i talk all the time at nauseam about grief walking or about walking with your emotions you can walk with your anger too, your sadness you can walk with your happiness my goodness is that ever delightful walk with your grief, highly recommend wearing big sunglasses and a big hat if you're walking with your grief so you feel safe to cry. So that's the first way we can show up mindful and in our own business is by walking, being in our body, physiologically using our body in the way it was designed to be used. The second is to meditate. Now, this does not have to be complex. And I love, um, that more and more research more and more people are starting to share the multitudes of ways that you can meditate for example walking can be a meditation if you are concentrating on some part of it so if you're disconnecting from your walking not a meditation if you're going right leg left leg right leg left leg or breathe in for three breathe out for three while you're walking that is that concerted concentration that is important in meditation. My son hates to meditate, but he will meditate for hours if I bring out fire in the form of a campfire, in the form of a candle, in the form of a match. Doesn't matter, you know those long matches you can get? 
this is really fun for kids. Um, obviously, set up some fireproof stuff so that they can do this safely and under supervision. But he'll just light one of those long matches and he will meditate on it while it burns and it starts to like it starts to go crooked as it burns down and it'll break off and but all of that is bringing him into that different brain wavelength that is so important in the meditation you can meditate lying down you can meditate sitting up as i've said you can meditate walking you can meditate concentrating on your breath you can meditate concentrating on your chakras you can meditate concentrating on your muscles on your nerves i love one of my somatic teachers he has us breathe into the cells of our toes and of our legs and like breathe into every single cell of our being and boy is that a beautiful 20 minute meditation or longer you don't have to meditate for hours you can meditate for ideally 10 minutes in a row would be great there is new information that says that like three five minute meditations over the course of a day is great um it's up to you really what works for you but uh, start with five minutes and add on a little bit more each day if you can try and do it at the same time ideally that's super helpful. It gets your being into understanding. Whenever I get out of my own business, which does happen a lot, even though I teach this stuff because it's part of being human, it takes time to be conscious and know that you're in your own business or out of it. Um, I will meditate multiple times a day. I will just sit down on my butt when I realize I'm out of it and just get centered again, get breathing again. And it's a lovely, like it's, highly recommend that just stop where you are if you're in your car just pull over and stop if you're walking on a trail find a stump to sit on you know it's okay to do that it's okay to stop to meditate uh the third important thing i believe in mindfulness with our bodies is to add some kind of strengthening things so this could be weightlifting, it could be walking, it could be doing yoga, um, it could be carrying your groceries, it can be like walking up and down the stairs and doing those leg lifts. Um, just some way to challenge your body physiologically and bring strength to your body. It's interesting. This is an important exercise. Because doing something that puts resistance on our body and challenges us helps us later when we have mental and emotional challenges and you won't really get this unless you try this right like if you try lifting i remember when my kids were little and i would have my weights out and i might be lifting five to ten pounds something like that and they would go to lift that it was way too heavy so i found these little one pound weights and it brought them so much joy to move from that real big challenge to a littler one and to do the little bicep curls or to mimic whatever I was doing. And it taught them a certain level of resiliency and persistence and curiosity and just trying, right? Just trying to do the hard thing of lifting that weight um, or doing that push up or doing that sit up. 
Uh, my daughter started doing some strengthening stuff using Pilates lately. And I love it because the first day she came and she's like, mom, oh, I couldn't do this at all. And she showed me a move. And then five days later, she comes and she's doing the move and she's getting it. And she's now got the cellular memory. So that the, adding in some kind of strengthening component for your physiology and your body really helps on the whole part of your business. Within that, we also, the fourth part is to add stretching, right? Move your body. If you sit all day, your muscles get tight, your neck gets tight, your core gets inflexible. You, you know, we, we want to move our body. This helps us then move our emotions and move our energy and move our feelings and move our joy move our sexuality you know move our sensuality move it helps us just move everything it's it's all interconnected as i will say till the cows come home um so finding a way to stretch and what i love with the invention of the internet and of people you know trying to earn your trust is that people are sharing free videos on how to stretch and how and it can be yoga it can be pilates it can be there's uh primitive stuff there's dance stuff there's like you name it google something that brings you joy and there will be you know stretching for ukulele or guitar or for um skating and you can find a way to move your body and strengthen and stretch it in a field that brings you joy right it doesn't have to be yoga and oming and uh it can be very competitive you if you want it to be competitive the strengthening and stretching you know um uh, find what makes you groove and makes you want to walk and move and meditate and stretch and then after that this is my favorite part then go and die shavasana is a sanskrit word that um basically means like prose corpse pose lie down chill out let your nervous system recalibrate and i personally don't think those of us in the western world get this at all rest is important um from my traditional chinese medicine background you know i go back to it time and again it's the it's the basic yin and yang you cannot the yin yang symbol it's not yang the whole time it, we cannot exist like that the you know the world the our ecosystem can't exist like that so finding ways to bring that yin that cooling that calming energy into yourself is really important and for me i call that shavasana or prose or rest pose it can be on your bed it can be on a yoga mat it can be on a couch preferably like completely lying flat if you have a lot of back pain you can bend your knees and just let your knees sort of lean on each other so that your low back is calm there are beautiful guided meditations if you find it hard to rest for 10 to 20 minutes you can google and get someone whose voice you loves resting meditation for shavasana and that will be good that will benefit you that will help you stay in your own business
you're going to just love yourself all after all of this stuff. The sixth thing is, and you're going to think this is funny, but that I've included it in the body section, but praying. Praying has been taken out of people's spiritual truth. And I don't think that's a good thing. Prayer is like, the, and meditation are like the call and response of the same action of aligning ourselves to hearing bigger truths, bigger mysteries, bigger wisdom and advice, whether we call it that it's coming from our inner self, whether we say it's coming from God. I don't, I don't care. You know, that's for you to discern what, where it's coming from. But I do think it's important to have that open listening part of ourself and that asking part of ourself. Where am I supposed to go? What does my prayer is often, oh my God, I'm out of my business. What is my business? Like that's my literal prayer. What is my business right now? I have no control over any of the things that are going on. And how do I get back into my own business? And then I wait, right? Then that's the part of the waiting and the spaciousness in that prayer moment. And I, I just love this. It's juicy. It's so much wisdom comes from this. You know, when you see people you're jealous, who seem to be jealous of who, who seem to be guided, following some path, marching to the beat of their own drummer, they are probably doing this. They have a, they most likely have some strong sense of what their truth is, of some kind of inner wisdom, inner voice that comes up. Some people, you know, have guides. Some people hear their own inner wisdom, like, like you name it, it, there's coolness in here that is worth pursuing. So the seventh thing in this mindfulness challenge would be eating for your physiology, for your body. What food does your body like? What makes it happy? What makes it unhappy? Does that change from season to season, from day to day? During, if the weather changes, do, does your ability to eat certain foods change? Like there's a lot of ways you can get to know yourself and get into your own business around this. Taking another drink break. I'm the only one doing the talking here, friends. So, <laughs> okay. Now let's get into some more of the basics. Because I think, I mean, the body part is so important. Get that foundation down. That's your first three chakras. It's, it's just, I can't even tell you how important it is to have those basic things down. In fact, when the clients come to me, and their basic self-care is not doing well. That is our priority. We have to flip with our focus and get them back into taking care of those basic things. Because otherwise, we don't have any energy moving up and down our body. It gets stagnant and stuck, or it's just very little, and then we're lethargic, and we're not able to take action or move or do any of those things. Okay? So now... This is the hard and the easy part, these next two sections. 
the basics of mindfulness are starting to be aware, starting to be able to define, oh, I'm having a thought. Okay, that's, I'm calling this day eight of the challenge or principle eight, we could call it. Because we have our thoughts, right? That the, I, I always picture when meditation teachers always talk about just watch your thoughts flow through your head, you know, like, so those are our thoughts. We have our feelings. These are a physiological response. They're a, even when we label something like, oh, I'm feeling sadness, we're actually describing a physiological sensation that we've just labeled as sadness. So it could be a heaviness or a tightness in our chest. It could be, you know, weepy eyes and we're going, oh, that's sadness. Um, we could be feeling anger, you know, and like we're getting a fire in the pit of our belly and, and our blood pressure is going up and our shoulders are creeping up to our ears and we're labeling that anger. I think it's important when you look at your feelings to have an awareness of the physiological responses of it or the biofeedback of it and then the thoughts that you're putting to it the words that you're applying to describe it because as we get more conscious of this the mindful way that our thoughts affect our feelings affect our actions and actions is the tenth concept those are all ways of looking at our business and looking how we're affecting our business right because i mean we're in charge of our thoughts right even though our brain often thinks a lot of thoughts for ourselves we're still responsible for whether or not we listen to them our feelings we're responsible for how we respond to them are we going to let them flow through us are we going to stop them are we going to add more thought fuel to the fire of feelings and keep perpetuating them and then how are we going to take action based on those thoughts and feelings you know this this is i mean super simple theory very complex in reality in staying in our own business and then we add into that all those cognitive distortions right this 11th concept of black and white thinking and other lies that we have magical thinking um, judgmental thinking persecutor thinking victim thinking you know, like the, just this list of ways we can think that aren't supportive of our own business, of our own thriving, of our own movement forward are important to be aware of. Now, uh, in this specific category, I am not including grief. I'm not including sadness. These are lies and distortions. These are shadow things, okay? Later, when I come into our being stuff, then I will talk about that, okay? Um, the 12th concept is being aware of our comfort zones. So in my own business, in my mindful way of being Casey, I feel comfortable doing this. Oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that, you know? Um, do I know where I start and stop? do i know where i'm willing to stretch myself a little bit am i aware of how i behave when someone pulls me out of my comfort zone like do i become a jerk do i become angry do i you know 
am I in charge of my feelings then? All really important aspects of knowing your own business, right? Is knowing your comfort zones, knowing how to recognize how it feels when you get out of your comfort zone and then how to dance with and reckon with that. Can you, like, I just always laugh when I start to break this stuff down because I go, how do we ever get out of our own business? Because there's just so much to do. Like, how do we get so bored that we get out of it? Um, so I'm going to just keep inviting you back, hopefully at nauseam, and I'll bore you and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, Casey, I'm going to stay in my own business. Um, so the 13th concept in this mindfulness challenge is knowing what your focus is. And I actually think this is how we get out of our own business is we don't consciously plan a focus, right? Where we can become just sort of laissez-faire and habitual and not aware of what we're doing. Um, interesting thing happened in, for me in terms of focus. At the beginning of Mar end of February, beginning of March, I got injured and then I found out that my landlord wanted to sell her house that I was living in. And it was funny because I had all these business plans laid out and I was working, I was three quarters of the way through editing my book and I was planning a mastermind and I was all excited. And all of a sudden those focuses that were taking up a large percentage of my energy and time, I had to just move them on the back burner and put them or put them in a parking lot, I guess would be a better description and step into, okay, I have to find a home. I have to, you know, help support my landlord and what her plans are and readjust and recalibrate to what my plans are. I have to deal with my pain and grief around this, um, you know, like the full blown big energy mindfulness of what my new business was based on this new information coming forward. So no big deal, right? Like I've done this work so long that I go, there will be time and space for those other focuses to come back. But right now, this is my priority in order not to suffer, in order to feel empowered, in order to feel like good as a human being, in order to continue loving the people in my life, I need to put those on the park in the parking lot on the back burner. You know, they're still on my to do list. Great. I will get to them later, but I need to have a home. You know, I need to just tidy all of this stuff up and get it all working, you know, and even I, I debated about canceling this and I'm like, ah, they can see my bookshelf coming apart and the boxes in the background. And, you know, I left the lights out for this last filming and, you know, we'll just go from there and adjust my focus and, and you'll know next time I will have adjusted it again. Right. So it leads me to my 14th concept in this challenge. And that is being assertive. This is a hard one, man. This has taken me years to get even remotely comfortable with. Because somewhere along the line, culturally, I think I was raised and not even, it's like permeates like being a good girl and not being, you know, aggressive and like being nice and like assertive seemingly is the opposite of that even though it is so refreshing and so like I love assertiveness now it's so clear it's so honest and it allows me to be present and in my own but like if you're assertive with me which just means clear you know where you stop and start you know your yeses and nos and your maybes right it's much easier to hear yes no maybe than it is to be here like 
manipulative, wishy-washy, like garbage that I then have to fight through to figure out where you start and stop and where I start and stop. Uh, I much prefer the assertiveness of, yep, we're going to start at seven and end at 8.30 and uh, we're going to have this for dinner and we're going to go and do this, you know, like just really clear, concise assertiveness. I love yeses and nos. Even I can take a maybe, you know, but I want a maybe with a timeline. That's good assertiveness, right? Uh, I'll get back to you in a week. Can you give me a week to think about it, right? Still very assertive, very clear, very calming for me, because then I can go, oh, it's not my business for a week. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to put it in my calendar. In a week, I'll follow up. Then it becomes my business. So simple. Okay. So those are the basics. Thoughts, feelings, actions black and white thinking and other lies i've called them cognitive distortions or the fancy psychological word comfort zones focus and assertiveness this is where a lot of our ego exists right this is sort of the third chakra and how it spreads up and down our chakra systems and, and energizes us um the third section of the mindfulness challenge is about the being in the now but of course, in order to talk about being in the now, we need to talk about the 15th concept, which is our past. Our being is aware that we have a past. Is my business in the past? Very rarely, unless I wanna go and touch back and learn from the mistakes I've made, unless I wanna go back and process the regret I have, unless I want to grieve a loss that I had not grieved fully you know it, the past is good to like I literally imagine like just dipping my toe in but coming back with the nourishment that I got from dipping into that little bit in the past um, it I think it was Guru Muk who is a Kundalini yoga teacher who I studied when I was pregnant with my daughter like 16 years ago and she had a meditation and I teach this one in my meditation course that's free online that you know, when we have regrets, when we have past problems, it's almost like we, if she used the visualization of like, take a potato and like write down what the regret is. And then imagine putting it in a backpack. And the next time you have a regret or a, a loss that you're not dealing with, do the same thing, write it on the potato, put it in your backpack. And you know, when I've done this work with clients and when I did it 16 years ago, I was like, shit, I have like a truck. I don't have a backpack of regrets and crap. And so I worked on, on touching back and composting all those potatoes, on doing the work to bring myself back into the now, to get me back in my own business, to heal, to grieve, which we're going to talk about in a couple moments. Um, so that awareness of your being and when it's in the past is important. And in the same breath, being aware of the future, which is the 16th concept of this challenge. I feel the same way about the future. It's not my business. Is it my business to touch forward and go, what would I like to create? What do I need to plan? Yes, but that's so momentary and so a rough guideline, right? I mean, how many people have lived their life and made the best laid plans and they change in a heartbeat, right? Just like my example before of this move coming up and all my plans, I'm like, no big, but see if I had rooted in the future, 
of getting those done, I'd be very upset about having to pull up those roots, right? And and change that plan. But because I've touched forward, I have a penciled in truth of what I think I want to create. But then if the universe, if the mystery, if the grace brings me something better, something more exciting, something more true to my being to work on, then I readjust and recalibrate my future based on that new information. Concept number 17 is very similar, but I'm breaking it down because here's the thing. <laughs> People will go, oh, I don't hang out in the past. But then in the very present moment, all they do is sit around and think about regrets, which is concept number 17. And that to me is where you've just melded. You've just taken your bag of potatoes and you're carrying it in the front of you. Like it's your pregnant belly of like stuff that everyone needs to see and know. And it's all your regrets and it's all your you know, crap that you haven't dealt with. And um, this is where you tend to see yourself or hear yourself being very victim oriented, very caught up in your woundology and your story of all the trauma and devastation that's happened to you. And not that there isn't a time and a place for dealing with all of that, but it's important to know the time and the place. It's important to know your audience. It's important to recognize that having your regrets always in front of you and always leading is just not fun. And it's not going to help you create the life that you want. Okay. So the uh, stuff on regrets in my mindfulness course, for sure. And, um, you know, regrets are always something we can work on mindfully. Concept number 18 is worry. Worry is about the future, but it's a, it's like the regrets where it's like we bring this like garbage bag full of all the stuff we're worried about. And we think if we just hold on to it, you know, like, like kind of like a to-do list of like what we don't want to have happen. But ironically, in carrying that with us, it doesn't give us the freedom to create that future that we're wanting with out those worried things with clarity of thought and clarity of mind and clarity, clarity of body. Um, so for regrets and worries, two simple things that you can do are journal writing, you know, be really honest, be really bold. I always warn people, I do not lock my journal away, but I'm just like, if you go and read it, like, you know, like enter at your own risk. I do not hide things in there. I do not say nice things in there. Sometimes I say nice things, but I'm just very blatant about getting the thoughts. Remember that was number concept number eight in the basics. I know my th thoughts aren't me. I know some of my thoughts are me, but most of them are not. Most of them are flowing and coming and going and coming and going and they're there till eternity and they don't help me. So I work on getting the thoughts out and there is interesting research. I forget whose TED talk it is, that talks about writing things down and getting it out of your brain is actually really helpful for our brain. So please do that. Please get your worries and regrets out. Dump, mind dump, brain dump. Uh, concept number 19 of this mindfulness challenge, a 21 day uh, mindfulness challenge is forgiveness. Uh, let me tell you, it's funny, I didn't include compassion on this list, but uh, Y'all know that I talk about compassion at nauseum too. Compassion and forgiveness are two of the concepts that for the last 20 plus years, clients, 
and myself have resisted most over all the other concepts. And it was beautiful today. I was sitting um, having coffee with my best friend and I was talking about Desmond Tutu and Mufo Tutu's book, uh, The Book of Forgiving. And if you haven't read this, it's great. Brene Brown referred me to it. And she was not kidding when she said it was like one of the most profound books she's ever read. And it is, it, it's so articulate and so full of grace and love and compassion around what it means to forgive and what that journey looks like and how it's not ever a destination particularly. Um, I, could, I could do a whole hour and a half discussion just on this book alone. It's so wonderful and, and so full of richness and beauty. But I just want to plant the seed because forgiveness is not a concept that you for most people, forgiveness is not a concept that they grasp in one sitting. But the definition of forgiveness that has helped me the most is this idea that it's like collecting parts of our soul that we've left behind with someone else. And why we've done it doesn't really matter, right? Usually it's because something bad has happened that we can't quote unquote forgive. And of course there's all sorts of cultural ideas around forgiveness. Um, you know, some of the myths are if you forgive someone, you, you are letting them know that what they did was okay. And that is, I've never, ever, ever, ever heard anyone actually say in forgiveness theory that that is what forgiveness is about. Okay, not even Jesus, who's the big forgiver, right, uh, on <laughs> in historical terms, you know, and he was more like, bless them because they don't know what they did, right? So he's offering compassion for their stupidity or their horrendousness and their, their broken, misunderstood ways of being human, right? They're dancing in the shadow. So forgiveness is very similar to this concept of not letting the past pull us backwards and out of our business we're basically bringing all of ourselves back to this present moment um, and i'm i'm just doing it a little bit of a just a little bit of justice here because part of staying in our own business is doing the care work of doing forgiveness work and i used to be more wishy-washy and less assertive about this but I would say in the last six years, the universe has really, really, really presented me and shown me with my physiology, the areas where I haven't forgiven and where they're making me sick and where they're holding me back and where they're keeping me out of a full energy to move forward. And so I'm doing the work and I, I again, it's not for this session, but um, you can Google Desmond and Mfo Tutu, and Mfo is spelled M-P-H-O, if you're, and Desmond is D-E-S-M-O-N-D. Uh, and the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness is a great place to start. And a lot of people have this up. They've, they've um, I think there's even dialogue with Desmond reading it for you, or Mfo reads it beautifully in the book, the audio uh, book version of this book. So highly, highly recommend that because forgiveness 
you know, just going to plant the seed. It's something we want to, we want to work on. We want to cultivate this skill, you know, and it's a skill like any other larger emotional process, right? It, it's a more complex skill. Uh, speaking of complex skills, number 20, concept number 20 in this mindfulness challenge is grief and, and dealing with grief and loss. And oftentimes forgiveness and grief go hand in hand, but not always. Sometimes we have loss and there's nothing to forgive. It's just simply that someone died. Although oftentimes our hearts feel angry and mad and we do need to forgive our dog or our person or our lover for leaving, you know, we could be angry and that that can be a moment where we need to forgive. Um, but grief, like forgiveness is a complex dance of having compassion, of having anger, of having bargaining time, denial, depression. Mm. I uh, highly recommend walking with an experienced companion through grief. Um, I am capable of doing that with people. And I know there's lots of resources in communities, great resources in communities on grief. Uh, if you don't know where your community resources are, virtual hospice is online. You can just Google virtual hospice and you will get a whole list of resources that you can go to if you're not ready to talk to a person person if you just want to start there with some information that's a great place to start but please don't be afraid of your grief and please don't rush your grief or forgiveness this is where the our business aligns with the business of the universe and there's a bit of mystery in these timelines and concepts and recalibrations they're very very sacred and they're very very spiritual and they're very much full of mystery that is not linear uh, it is transformative and metamorphosizing and uh, glorious, but also scary because we don't have a lot of role models who talk about this or show us how to do it. And to be quite honest, I know um, the children, their parent died last year, their other parent died last year, and in my grief process, I definitely dove to the bottom of the ocean and I didn't really want to come up and talk to people. I wanted to be in the depth of my truth at the time. And it was great because I had a few friends who would like almost like put, it was the image I got when they, I was in the bottom of the ocean was like them like kind of putting in little snorkels and kind of visiting me and kind of snorkeling around up top. And I would kind of yell up to them and talk, but there we were in a different space and a different time as I was doing this and they respected me and I respected them. And, you know, I, that's the beauty of this stuff when you are willing to stay in your own business and do it with compassion, right? If I'd been angry about grieving or resentful about grieving, then I would have treated my friends differently. I would have treated the ocean differently. It would have been a whole different experience, but I really felt like my business was to do this well, to show grief well. Um, yeah, again, whole bigger concept than just uh, a three minute summary, but wanna introduce it to you, right? This is the challenge of mindfulness is get, dancing and playing with all these concepts.
which brings us to the 21st concept, which is the now. You know, check in with your now. I love, I mean, Byron Katie introduced me to this and she introduced me to this concept of staying in your own business and I've just extrapolated it uh, immensely. But like in the now, just check in with yourself. Are you standing? Are you sitting? Are you lying down? You know, when I go, oh, I'm, I'm sitting. Oh, and my leg was a little bit off. It wasn't so comfortable. So I'm sitting. And then from there, what story do I want to add? You know, I'm good. I'm a little bit thirsty. I'm going to look forward to shutting off my uh, lights. But in the now, I have another, you know, bit of time that I can deal with them for. In my now, I'm happy. I, I'm excited by all this information that I shared with you. I'm excited about my business and, and how to interact with it and how to interact with you and your business. In the now, I'm just checking in, touching into the past, touching into the future of what I call the morphic field. That's how I see the energy. Wanting to check in and see if there's anything else I want to add. I, I, I specifically was really excited this um, week to talk about this, this 50, 25, 25 rule. Um, I've specifically used it a lot, especially during times of grief and pain. Because it really allowed me to take stuff that wasn't my business off my plate and gave me more energy to do the work that was my work and to let the universe, God, the mystery, Allah, whatever you want to call it, the gods, the goddesses, nature, Gaia, that 50% concept, what I really learned when I pulled back and started to trust that 50% was that, oh my goodness, when I just, when I just stayed in my business, there was so much going on and so many things that I wanted to muck about in or I wanted to push or get impatient about that if I just sat back and let the stuff go and let the like the soup simmer and let the let the all the magic work itself out I often didn't have to do as much work like people in their own business and the universe's minions or angels or energies that were all all helping move life forward started to show up i got i had people returning phone calls that i wasn't even expecting or um sometimes it would be like oh i have to follow up and i have to make this call and i do it three days in a row but i didn't get a hold of a person until the third day and it was like the perfect person their energy filled me up our laughing and joking was great they gave me the exact information that i needed for the next step and i mean who knows maybe if i'd gotten a person on the first day it would have been exactly that 
but I don't know because I didn't get that person. And instead of suffering when I didn't get that person on the first day, I just sat back and went, it's not my business today. What's next on my list? What else could I do? Because my business plate is full. I have a big focus. I have things on the back burner. I never have to be bored, like ever. I don't know how people are bored, actually. I always wonder what people are doing that they're bored. Because, you know, I could, there's lots of stuff they could be doing. There's lots of change in the world that they could get into this, a new business that they wouldn't be bored in. Um, so that's the, so this, this 50%, I, I know is a hard, because it's a big number, right? It seems like, holy crap. But when you sit back and you really indulge in your 25% and you make that be your truth, you will get so much more done. You will be so much more happy to connect and interact with people. You will not be like, just even imagine, like, forget the universe's business. Like just imagine stepping into someone else's business. You're all of a sudden becoming a mind reader. You're becoming a manipulator. You're becoming a controlling person. And that person hasn't asked for you to do that. Now it's different if someone asks you for help, that's different Then they're inviting you into their own business. But even then it's really discerning, like, are they asking for my help? Are they asking for advice? Are they just sort of um, brainstorming right now? You know, cause that's an area where you can get yourself really frustrated too, is if someone's not really looking for help and you start to invest in their business and then you get pissed off because they're not taking your advice or they're not um, following through with what you wanted them to follow through on. It can get quite funny when you get caught up in someone else's own business. Um, so that would be like a little thing to look for. All these little nuances, right? So, you know, maybe for the next month, just sort of sit with these concepts and get curious. You know, my cheat sheet is, is if you are suffering, you're out of your own business. And the quickest way to get back into your own business is just to know what your focus is, where you are on the mindfulness timeline, what's moving through you, what is on your plate, what do you want to do, you know, that training yourself memorizing these questions memorizing these cues um i know i feel like there was a period of time in schooling where i was still a part of it where you had to memorize poems and you had to do rote memory tests and i do think there is a time and a place for knowing certain things like the back of your hand so that you can have them working for you all of the time right like I have trained myself that if I feel uncomfortable in my body, I stop and check in and see where I'm at on the mindfulness timeline, see if I've gotten out of my own business, see what I can do. You know, some it's like the simplest things. And I say this to my kids all the time if they're suffering. Are you angry, tired, hungry, or lonely? Those are the basic ones where you're out of your own business, right? From and from this mindfulness challenge stuff that I've introduced to you. It's similar, like, you know, are you having a big feeling that you can't process? Are you needing nourishment? Are you lonely? Reach out and, and get that help and get the get the support you need. And um, the other thing is, is in the with the 
thing our culture and you'll have to suss this out for yourself if we don't have a grounded spirituality and we're just living in the ego it can get pretty lonely and pretty defeating and and pretty stressful unless you have some kind of philosophy or surrounding belief system that helps you find comfort in how the world unfolds and so that might be something you look at this month too is like what do you believe of the universe what do you believe of that part of the energy in the world that you don't have control of because like let's face it there if there's going to be a hurricane if there's it's going to rain tomorrow um you know when someone's baby's going to come when someone's going to die if you're going to get cancer if you're going to be well or sick tomorrow like a lot of those things are not in your control completely and what do you tell yourself about that truth does it and does it bring you joy does it ground you does it make you feel safer or does it make you feel worse and more helpless and more like more of a victim or more challenged okay uh, one of these days i'm gonna we're gonna go and talk about archetypes um, but we're still working on sort of the lower chakra stuff and a little bit dabbling into the fourth and fifth chakra um, but i think this is a good place to sort of start to wind down um, it's been migraine pressure change central in my space of guelph the weather's been up and down the the rain's been up and down the pressure's been up and down and that's one area my head just still is like woo, all over the place with so i'm trying to be compassionate with myself and be gentle with myself and also show up for you guys on these monthly calls because i love doing them and i'd love to know what else you'd love to learn i'd love to know if there's concepts if there's ways of doing this that you like better or worse if you like just a lecture style if you like more q a's um i love it all information is helpful it helps me stay in my own business um and we'll just go from there uh once again the link to the community forum where i post all of this stuff first is uh in the chat that we just had you can go to my website and join the forum uh, the email reminders that you get allow you to join the forum it is a non-commercial no advertisement space for feisty souls to just sit and shoot the shit as my dad used to say uh get information touch base about all these concepts and to connect with like-minded people in a beautiful non-cluttered place um, so do join us i'm trying to create a bit of a community there i know not everyone likes online communities but i figured some people do and i would add that as a gift to y'all um okay so that's going to be it for me on this april 7th and i want to just remind you as a feisty soul you have the right to be real to feel feisty to act resiliently to love deeply to speak compassionately to know wisdom 
and to live spiritually. May you be well, and I will talk to you next time. Happy Thursday.